Good morning. Good morning. morning. You guys ready to receive? Do you have expectation today? Do you come with the expectation that you're going to hear from the God of the universe? He's a lot better preacher than I am. I'm hoping we all hear from him today. We are in this series called What's in Your Hand? If you've been with us, you know we've, we've got this from Exodus 4, where Moses was in front of God, and God was saying, go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses had some reservations. And there he was standing before God, scared, not knowing if he could do it. And God said, what's in your hand? And he had a normal staff, just a staff. It was completely ordinary. And when he laid it before God, it became something extraordinary. And this whole series is about what is it that's in our hand, in our possession, that is ordinary. Yet when we lay it before God, it becomes something extraordinary. This could be your personality. It could be your relationships, your work, your future. Last week we talked about it being our worship. Our worship is in our hands. We've talked about our heart being in our hands. And today, I know you're excited. Today, get ready. We're talking about money. Woo! Man, how long has it been since you've been in church and they talked about money? About 15 minutes. Well, I, but I got some things to say to you about that. You know, money has been one of the most abused topics in church, right? People have walked away from church. People have walked away from God because how the church has handled and mismanaged money. And I'm acutely aware In here this morning, we have guests with us, and we have people who have been wounded by churches with money, and we have people who have no problem with speaking about money. We have a whole spectrum. And so wherever you find yourself today on this spectrum, whether you're now cringing at what's about to happen, or whether you're excited about a, a sermon about money, wherever you fall on the spectrum, I'm praying that you would leave here today knowing more about God's nature, and more about your nature as well. So we're going to address this, and we're going to go right into it. We're going to be bold and honest about it. And I figure a good place to start when talking about money in church is to go through some myths and some facts, okay? Sound good? Myth number one, all churches talk about is money. It's a myth. Now the fact is, and if you've been here at the Orchard for any amount of time, uh, we don't talk about money to a fault, actually, we've realized. I looked back at the last generous giving message, and I spoke it on February 8th, 2015. We don't always talk about money, unless this is your first week here. Then one for one, 100% of the sermons you've heard here are about money, and you can say that. Myth number two, the orchard is rich. Look at this building. This place is flush. And i got to say, the fact is that the orchard hasn't made budget in six of the last eight months. Being honest. Myth number three. Well, then you obviously have a spending problem. And I want to say this. The fact of the matter is we we don't have an expense issue. We keep those down. And we have some of the wisest people in the area who you trust with all your finances as part of our finance team. And they're steering this. Myth. We're all giving and supporting this place together. And the reality is that out of the 300 people here, that 14 families support the uh, church budget. And when one of those family leaves or steps out, it, it sends ripple effects. And it reminds me of a joke. There were two men on a maroon, they were marooned on an island. 
a desert island. It's got to be a desert island all the time. It can't be another kind of island. And one of them is just so nervous. He's walking around. He can't believe that he's on maroon on this island. He wants to see his kids. He wants to see his wife. What's he going to do? The other one is, is relaxing. Took his shirt off and kept in some sun. Just completely relaxed. And the one who's nervous says, don't you even care? Don't you care that we're on this, this island? We'll never get off. And the man relaxing said, listen, let me tell you something. I, uh, I make $100,000 a week. The other man goes, so? That can't help us right now. We can't buy our way out of this. He goes, oh, I wasn't done. I make $100,000 a week and I tithe every week. My pastor's going to find us. <laughs> Myth, you're going to use guilt to manipulate us to give, and I'm not. In fact, today we're going to talk about what the Bible says, and by the end of this, I want you to see that your giving is between you and God, not you and me. It's between you and God, not you and the church. In fact, I hope you can already tell that by the facts we've given you, we're being very forthright you see, a lot of churches, when they finally do talk about money, they're so nervous about what they're going to say, they tiptoe around everything. And today we said, let's just be honest. Let's have an authentic discussion about this. Myth. At the orchard, you always say that Jesus is the main thing. And if Jesus is the main thing, let's stick to what he has to say and not talk about all this money stuff. Fact. Jesus talked more about money than he did forgiveness. Fact. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. Jesus talked more about money than he did love. He preached more about money than any topic except for his kingdom. He has something to say about it. Last myth. I don't have a money issue. The fact is, probably not. But we all might have a heart issue. I'm going to tell you my goal for this sermon my hope is that we leave here a more generous people. Now that is a high bar for one sermon. Expecting one sermon to change our heart on money is like having a one-day diet and hoping it changes my heart on pizza. Like, it's just, it's just probably not going to happen. There's a lot of work to be done, but it's a good first step. And so we're going to start this conversation. The goal for today is not that you throw in some money at the end and then go about your life. And it's not that you begrudgingly, like, throw us a bone that's not the heart of generosity, and we are not interested in money that comes through guilt or manipulation. When it comes to our money, the fundamental matter for us to look to first is not our generosity or lack of generosity. The first thing we start with, the first thing we look at is the generosity of God Almighty. Generosity is a virtue of our God. He is absurdly generous with us. He's given us life. He sustains life. He's given us relationships and, and purpose and, and rich moments and resources. And he lavishes his love upon us. The word says that God is love. And, and you have to know here today, you're the object of his love. He is obscenely generous when it comes to forgiveness. I mean, some of you are very generous in your sin. But thank God he is more generous with his grace. Amen? Somebody wake up and get excited about the money sermon. Come on. Amen. There we go. God is generous in calling and purpose. He didn't leave us on this earth without meaning. We're to love him and to love people, all people, no asterisks, and bring light and love to a world around us. Like we forget how generous God is. We, we forget how generous. 
When was the last time you made a uh, gratitude list? Have you ever? Have you ever sat there and just gone through some of the things you're grateful for or prayed through those? Because the truth is, we forget. I forget. We all forget how generous God has been with us. Everything we, we, we encounter. Colossians 1 verse 16 says this, For by him all things were created, all things, the heaven, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and all things created for him. All things created by him and for him. Mount Sopris, yeah, that was his. He did that. The beauty of a mother's love for her infant, yeah, that's from the heart of God. The, the, the love of a young man who drives across country at midnight to see his beloved. Yeah, God knows sacrificial love. That flows from him. The flavor of sautéed elk on a bed of greens. And you laugh. It's proof of God's generosity. He did not have to create taste buds or flavor. But he did. He didn't have to. But he's generous. And he goes, oh, they're going to love this. And he puts flavor. And he goes, I think oh, they're going to love it. He puts taste buds. And you put them together. Isn't it great? Praise God. All blessings. All things. He gave us life. He created you. He created the world. And he looked down through time. And he saw you. And he created you. And he loves you. He gave you breath. He gave you a mind that can think and a heart that beats. He gave you purpose and calling. He placed in you a desire to leave this world a better place, to make your mark. David writes of this in the Psalms as he is going through all of God's generosity. And he says in Psalm 139, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You pr I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When he created us, he was generous. The creation around us, our lives, are echoes of God's generous heart. And beyond that, God gave us his son. He gave us Jesus. While we were spiritually dead, he sent Jesus to provide a way for us to have redemption and salvation. And this is summed up in John 3.16. And we all know it, right? For God so loved the world, a, a generous love, a generous love, that he gave. He what? He what? Gave. Our God's a giving God, a generous God. He gave his only son. Who gives their, who gives their child for other people? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's generosity split the sky when Jesus laid down his life for our salvation. But we get so used to John 3.16, we get so used to it that we cruise right past these things and our gratitude doesn't attach onto them. Jesus gave his life. And when it comes to money, there's sometimes when people ask me in a certain way, they say, hey, how much am I required to tithe to God? And it's at those moments I can see they're not looking for a high bar of generosity they're looking for the lowest hurdle of religious duty. And all I think of in some of those times is, I'm so glad Jesus didn't tithe his life. I'm so glad he didn't go, well, here's a little bit percentage of my life for your salvation. You see, Jesus didn't tithe it. He gave sacrificially. We have a God that is so generous. He just gives and gives, and he gave his son sacrificially. He sacrificed. He laid it down. And while we're here oftentimes looking at percentages or how much, how much, what the cut we can give, he is looking at redemption and he is all in. He went all in for you, for me, for our kids, for life. He didn't have to, but out of a generous heart, he gave sacrificially. 
Another thing that amazes me is how generous God is to even his enemies. And this is, this is amazing. Like, so Bill Gates, he's the creator of Microsoft, right? Yep. He's given away almost $30 billion with a B. Billion. $30 billion to charity and medical research. He's given away more money than some countries possess. But Bill Gates, in all of his earthly generosity, has never given $1 to Apple. God's generosity is for all people, everyone. Listen, if you grew up in a home, you were privileged to grow up in a home that loved God and you got to learn about him in your home and go to Sunday school, God loves you and he generously gives to you. If you grow up and you have never heard of him, you don't even consider him, Jesus died for them as well. Jesus died and gave his life generously for those who deny him and hate him and ridicule his people. When he was being nailed to the cross, he he prayed for those people. He prayed that God would forgive those who killed him. It's incredible to consider his generosity. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all life. Even as he's being crucified, he's being nailed to a tree. A tree, a piece of wood that he created and he sustains. And then, during the crucifixion, a Roman soldier... The salivary glands it takes to create spit and the muscles it takes to fling it out of his mouth onto the bloody face of Jesus. Jesus created that body. He created that ability. Jesus created everything. And even while they mocked him and beat him, he laid his life down sacrificially and generously. He created it all. He, He states in John 10, 18, he says this boldly, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Talk about a what's in your hand moment. My life is in my hands and I lay it down that God would do something extraordinary with it. Jesus was not killed because their case was so strong or they they wrestled him down. He, He gave up his life. He submitted out of extreme generosity. So why on a week about money, on a week about honoring God with our money, do I talk about his generosity? Because if we're going to have a heart of generosity, we're going to have to have a heart of gratitude. We can muster up generous moments, but authentic generosity finds its headwaters in, in a heart of gratitude for all God has given us. It is from a heart of gratitude that we find a heart of generosity. People, God's generosity should trigger our gratitude. All that he has done should trigger our gratitude. It's saddening that we would be recipients of such love and such generosity and remain unmoved and ungrateful. It reminds me of a parable that Jesus spoke in Matthew 18. He says there was a king and this king called someone to him and the man he called before him had a debt and the debt was huge. But the king forgave the debt. And it changed this man's life. The weight, the burden of debt that was upon him was gone. And the king absolves it. And the man leaves the king's throne room free. And he leaves the throne room and he he encounters a servant who's passing by. And the servant owes him $10. And he seizes the servant. And he says, where's my money? And the servant says, I can't pay you right now. He goes, guards, arrest him and throw him in jail until he can. You see, that man was a stagnant pool. Generosity went in, but none came out. 
And God has created us that, that he would be generous with us so that we could be generous to those around us. And here's it. You've been forgiven all things by Jesus. Who is it in your life you refuse to forgive? God loves us with a lavish and unending love that knows no ends even though we wrong him. And who in your life have you run out of love for based on their actions and irritations? God loves you beyond your politics and beyond your preferences. And who have you ceased to love because of such temporary earthly things? Because love is above all those. God's generosity is the, is the source of our gratitude. If we are without gratitude, then we cannot have an authentic heart of generosity. And if we want our hearts to change when it comes to being generous, we must recapture this gratitude for all God has done, all he is doing, and who he is. Because it's all about him. Giving is all about him. And generosity at its heart starts with God, not us. In fact, God says in, or in John, 1 John 4.19, says that we love because he first loved us. He's been so generous with us, it is out of gratitude that we return that. And last week I stood up here and I spoke about worship, about worship being in our hands. And I said, I said this quote, we have come to believe that our worship is based on variables in this church room when in fact our worship should be based on what's constant in that heavenly throne room. And I believe that giving is worship. I believe generous giving is an act of worship. And so, and so let, let, me, let me rephrase that statement with a twist. We have come to believe that our giving is based on variables in this church room, when in fact our giving should be based on what's constant in that heavenly throne room. You see, giving isn't between you and the church. Giving is between you and God. And that's freeing. When it comes to being generous, if my heart is full of gratitude for all that God's done and all that he is, it changes my giving. Out of a heart of gratitude, I become a, a generous giver. If I take out that heart of gratitude, my giving at best, I become a church tipper. A church tipper throws in money based on the performance of the band or the preacher. Well, that was a good one. Here's a, here's a 50. Here's a five. A tipper gives money when they believed it's been earned, but there's no sacrifice because it's a payment for services rendered. It's like the story of a man who, who took his family to church, and on the way out, he was just, oh, he was so upset. He gets in the car and slams the door, and he's telling his whole family, the sermon was too long. The music was too loud. The people weren't nice, and it was too hot in there. And he just kept going and going about all he didn't like about it. And finally, in the back seat, his, his little son goes, Hey, Dad, you got to admit it wasn't a bad show for just one dollar. Because he had tipped what he thought it was worth. There's another group that doesn't tip, but they, get out of, they give out of dry religious duty. You know, their giving is viewed as a membership due to an organization. The giver deals with gratitude. The tipper deals in gratuity. And the religious donor deals in guilt. A giver gives for free. The tipper gives a favor. And the donor pays a fee. 
God's calling us to move away from some of these. The religious donor and the church tipper, they both give out of what they consider my money. While the heart of gratitude of a generous giver knows they have laid down their entire life and even their money is God's. Now, Amy and I, we, we believe this and we say this, that all of our money is God's money. Not just 10%, not a chunk, all of our money. All of, in fact, all of our lives are his. We, we declare our future, our past, our kids, our hope, our peace. All of our life is God's. And when I give God my entire life, but I remove my money, it says something about my heart. And it reminds me of this illustration when, when Roman centurions would get saved back in the day and they would get baptized, they would take their sword out and get baptized with their sword out of the water because they still had killing to do. And they didn't want to baptize their sword. And it just makes me think how many Christians would go, it's time to get baptized, hold on. I'm ready. And they hold their wallet above the water because Jesus, I give you my whole life. But this, that's, that's mine, you know? It's a heart issue, not a money issue. Hear me again. It's a what issue? Not a? Remember that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. A what giver? Cheerful. cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Generosity that flows out of, heart, out of a heart of thank you. Now, why is he not looking for begrudging givers or entitled tippers? Why? I'm going to tell you. You ready? You ready for this? You ready? God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. Did you know he's not even after your money? He's after your heart. And for some of us, our heart is where our treasure is, as the Bible says, and it's in our wallet. God's after our heart. Perhaps maybe that's why Jesus spoke about money more than any topic other than his kingdom. Because he knew we as people would get our hearts mixed up and our heart would go to where our treasure is. For many of us, our treasure is in our accounts. And God's asking us, is it all mine? Is it all mine? Jesus spoke often about the Shema. It's the, it's the prayer that we say often here. It's where our vision comes from. Love God and love people. It's this ancient prayer. And in fact, Jesus says the entire Bible hangs on this verse. The entire Bible is summed up by this, these two verses. And it says this. He says it again in Luke. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. And Jesus calls this the first and greatest commandment. Do you know what it means to love God with all your strength? It doesn't just mean your muscle fiber. It doesn't mean you're flexing. Like, yeah, I'm loving God right now. That's not what it means. What strength means? It's the strength of your life. It's everything that you can bring to bear to forward his kingdom. Love God with everything your life can bring to bear. Your time, your talent, your personality, relationships, your resources, your money, your abilities. But listen, the Bible at its core calls us to love God with all the parts of our being, all of it. And we get so uncomfortable when we talk about one of them. And he calls us to love God with all of our strength. And I would dare say if we refuse to love God with all of our strength, all of our resource, all the bring to bear, it's going to be really hard to love God with all of our heart. Because there's a reason we're holding that back. It's a heart issue, not a money issue. Now, 
When you say that, that I'm going to give all my finances to God, does that mean that you come here and you give 100% of your check? No. I mean, you can. <laughs> Do Amy and I give 100% of our finances to the church because we claim it's all God's? No. But we have a heart, a heart and a mindset that says, God, this is all yours. Now, now we, we felt led to give. We, we give no less than 10%. And we, it's important to us to give first fruits. And that's off our, our, our check before the government takes their their fruits. Um, so we give first fruits on that. And that's how we've, we've but anytime, anytime God can ask us to do something, and there have been times where he has asked us to give something that is, that we are not comfortable giving. And it's easy to say it's all God's money until he wants you to give some of it away that you weren't prepared for. And it's at those moments we get to reacclimate and realign our heart that this is all God's. And if he wants to bless somebody else through us, we will, quietly make, we will quietly do whatever he asks. It is all his. It is all his. And because he is our provider, we trust he's going to do what he needs to do. He will, he's our sustainer. So we step out in faith. God will often use people to bless other people. And so we hold our wallet, so to speak, in our hands, but not tightly. Open. God, just like anything else in our life, this is yours. Like my hopes, like my dreams, like my peace, like my kids, this is also yours. Loving God with all your strength is a liberating reality because it takes the things that often own us and gives ownership of them to God. And they can't own you any longer. And finally, I'll end in Malachi 3 in the Old Testament. It's an incredible passage where God speaks from the first person. He's speaking to us. And it has to do with the hearts of his people. His people have left him, and they're withholding from him. And he's speaking to them about these things. And in, in Malachi 3, verse 10, he says these to his people. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. That was the temple. That there may be food in my house. And he said, look, catch this. Test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing a few things to unpack. He says, test me in this and see if I don't open the floodgates. He's saying here, if you have a heart of generosity, you will see greater generosity. God claims that those who give to him will be blessed. Now, let me be very careful here. I want you to hear something. I am not saying if you give God money, you will get money. I'm not saying that. But I have felt firsthand the blessing of giving to God. And it could be as simple as one thing it's blessed us with. When we give to God, it breaks off the consumerism and materialism. Because it's not my money. It's not our money. It's God's. And it breaks off that ownership it has over us. But I believe there's blessing. I believe God blesses us in many ways. And it doesn't have to be monetary. Now the Bible claims these things. I will let him prove to you how that looks. But I don't want to ever be one of those guys that says, if you just give a little, God's going to give you a lot. I don't know how he's going to bless. God says, test me in this. This is one of the only places I can think of where God says, test me in this specific way. Test me and see if I don't come through. In Orchard, I told you we're going to be bold and forthright. And so we're going to, we have felt led to open up something here, this test. God said to test him in this. And we want to have an opportunity to step into this test. And so we're going to do something. It's a little, it's not normal, but that's okay. We're not a normal church. Between now and the end of December, that's three months, it's 90 days. We want to be a church that tests God in this. So what we're asking for the next 90 days, that you would consider generously giving in a new way. 
that you would pray about it. It's between you and God, not you and me. It's between you and him. That you would pray about it and consider generously giving from a cheerful heart. And at the end of 90 days, if you feel like this was a bad investment or it did not work out for you the way you wanted, talk to Charlie, talk to me, and we'll refund it. We're leaving this on God to come through. We believe when God says, test me in this, I believe him. Not only that, there are hundreds of stories from people in this room who've given to God, who God has seen, or they have seen God fulfill their needs. Miraculous stories where you didn't have it, and God through somebody else or miraculously provided it. This is a God who loves to provide, who loves to give generously. And so as hard as it is to go, you're asking us to what? I'm asking you to engage in this 90-day giving challenge and to give in a new way with a generous heart, a cheerful heart. And we'll see what God does at the end of three months. Our promise is out there. It's, it's recorded, okay? We can't take it back. So we're trusting God in that. Orchard, I want to end in this. So many of you are so generous. You know, the mission moves forward. The lights stay on because some of you, some of you give and give and give. And as tough as a money sermon is, for some of us, these kind of sermons, if we're already engaged in it, it's not so bad. But for others of us, and we can feel it in the room right now, for some of us, this is not comfortable. It does not feel good to have a preacher up there saying, yeah, try this out. (laughs) Here's the good thing. You don't have to do any of it. You can leave here and, and, and do none of this. It's up to you. This is between you and God, not you and me, not you and the church. We're asking you to consider and pray and ask God what he would have of you. So as we close in communion, my challenge is this. As you go and you hold the element, elements of, of Jesus' sacrifice, and you sit down in your chair, and remember, this is an open table. There is no class to go through to take communion here because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So if you want to remember him in communion, this is open to you. But as you grab the, the symbol, remember, this is the symbol of his broken body on the cross for you, the symbol of his shed blood. And as you sit down and hold these, they become so sterile in our hands, don't they? We're so familiar with this. But for just a second, think of all that it symbolizes. Because this right here at its heart is the symbol of profound generosity of someone who gave everything. Now we could taste redemption. We could taste salvation. And so, above all things this morning, would you sit down and and gather these, and would you just have a moment of gratitude that Jesus would be so generous with us? Thank him. Start thanking him for things, and just keep going. Just have have a gratitude moment, and, and keep thanking him, and thanking him, and thanking him. And then as you take the elements, ask him, if you want. Say, God, how would you like us to step in to this challenge? What do you want from us as far as generous giving as a family as an individual and be willing to listen let's pray Jesus you are so generous thank you for your life thank you for the generosity the things that we just take for granted above all things may we remember here today your your just extreme generosity I pray right now in this time you would hear our hearts as we come to you in Jesus name Amen. Let's respond.